Hey there, you're listening to the Not So Breakfast Show with Sasha Endish. Alright, welcome to the Not So Breakfast Show today, the podcast for leadership and career development. And this is the one with the seven questions for managers. Managers, we are questioning you, or at least we have seven questions to ask you to test your management style, your management impact, so that you're not so ordinary and you stand out. And speaking of standing out, Sash, can I just say that is a spectacular yellow cardi. I think I do stand out in this yellow cardigan today. And I think it was rude of you to say, oh, we don't have to film this one if you don't want to. As soon as you saw my yellow card, you're like, oh, this one was doing not for filming. I'm like, it's a really special yellow card. Is it what's special about it? Has it got. It's yellow. It? Oh, it's, it's yellow. yellow. <laughs> I love this idea of uh, these questions being managers to ask themselves. So let's be really clear about that. If you're working for someone else and being managed, we don't recommend that you go into work on Monday and say, yeah, I've got seven questions for you. <laughs> these are seven questions that managers should ask themselves as part of their reflection. Like you say, how can you increase your impact, increase your influence, be a better leader, get more out of your team, just be not so average, not so mediocre, and perhaps not so lost in terms of, ah, what should I be doing today? Well, why don't we kick it off with question number one, and this is your reflective question to start the ball rolling on our seven questions for managers. Who in your team is excelling? Because if it's nobody, that's a bit awkward. Because actually the best evidence of leadership and management is who in your team around you is stepping up, excelling, getting opportunity and being the best they can be. Who's that person that comes to mind? Yeah, and I would love everybody to be honest about how many of us went me. I'm the person that's excelling. (laughs) (laughs) And this is one of the big transitions we make, right, from being worker bee to being queen bee, is that the Mm. measure of our success is how well everyone else around us is performing, not are we the best person in our team. I love the kind of the coach and sports analogy here. Or in the sales management sense, your job as a manager is not to make the most sales. You've got to be good at it. But your Mm. job is to teach and lead and encourage and inspire others to be really good at the thing so I do love that question who is excelling in your team and I know what a whole lot of people will be thinking is uh define excelling (laughs) yeah so you'll be going like oh and sometimes we've got team members who are really good at one thing but they've got something that's holding them back and I just keep coming back to this idea that Professor Linda Applegate uh, spoke to uh, you know when I was in Boston at Harvard Business School this idea that hope is not a strategy so every time you go oh I've got someone who's really good at x and I just hope they get better at y just recognize that nothing is going to change unless you change it up and do something to get more out of or to correct the behavior in the person uh, that's right in front of you and this is really where you see that talent of great managers and their ability to recruit great people and develop great people to the point where they are excelling and getting opportunities. And And I can think of several managers within 
uh, our business. And when I think of them, I go, man, there is talent coming out of your team. We are recruiting from your team often because you identify talent, you develop them, and then the opportunities come for those people. So good on you. Now, that puts a lot of pressure back on you as manager because you're constantly having to find new people. In fact, we call one of our clubs the farm because we keep uh, taking everybody out of it. Uh, But, you know, the manager in that uh, club, and I'm just going to name you, uh, Jackie Griffin, you are incredible at spotting talent, developing talent, and creating opportunities for your team. So when you see that and it's consistent, it is pretty exciting, and uh, and it's such an asset to have managers like that within a business. She might be really good at spotting talent. I would also posit that perhaps what it is is she's really good at developing talent. So it might be that you could put somebody who has, let's say they're an average performer, and in the right environment with the right coaching, they become an exceptional performer. And you could equally take somebody who yeah. uh, Jackie has identified as being really talented and you put them into a different environment and they won't flourish and grow. So I think it's two things. It's being able to recognize talent. Do you know what potential looks like? Do you know what good looks like? And how do you then grow that and boost that so that you can actually say, just about everybody on my team is excelling and and feel really good about that. Yeah, because we've seen evidence of someone who's underperformed with a manager, but then they swap to a different department or under a different manager and suddenly start to excel. So exactly, and it may have been that the potential was already there, it just wasn't getting nurtured, they weren't stepping up, there was a relationship breakdown, whatever it is. But when you kind of get that, that manager that can, yes, recruit well, yes, develop well, and yes, build relationships in a way that the person wants to step up and wants to go the extra mile for that person as well. That's, you know, that's some really great uh, talent and um, and some really great skills of the manager there. And we sit in sports teams all the time that a player just trades to a different community, a different coach, a different environment, and whoo, they're amazing. They're amazing. So, you know, how can you be that manager? How can you be the manager that just creates an environment for more people to flourish? Cool. So question number two of our seven questions for managers. How many times do you provide an answer instead of asking a question? So when you're in your work in progress meetings, WIP meetings, or when you're in those situations where someone has come to you with a problem, do you constantly just give them the answer, default to here's what you should do? Or can you recognize an opportunity to go, hmm, I wonder if they would come to the same solution if prompted slightly or if I ask them to think about what they might do in this situation. So good question to ask yourself. Yeah, are you just the source of all knowledge and people come to you and you go, hey, here's what we should do, which doesn't really grow or develop people and doesn't help shape people's thinking. It can be really annoying if you only ever answer a question with a question. And how I know this is I get, I get regular feedback from, uh, let's just call him Chris because that's his name. <laughs> he reckons that he asks me a question all the time and instead of answering it, I ask a question in return. And now my justification for that is I need more context. Mm. I want to know more information before I answer the question. So what like are you it's doing a tomorrow? Trap. Like he's trying to trap. Yeah, like it's a trap. <laughs> totally. Yes, yes. What are you doing tomorrow?
tomorrow. Why? Why do you ask? Don't ask another question. Just answer. What are you doing tomorrow? Well, it depends who's asking, right? So we're not talking about that annoying kind of, you know, somebody comes to you with a problem and you go, oh, I don't know. What do you think we should do? Mm. It's not like a pass-aggressive throw it back at them. It's a gentle probing about, huh, that's interesting. That That is a dilemma. What are the options you've explored so far? It's that kind of questioning uh, where you can grow and develop your team and not just be the know-all that actually uh, you know, has all the answers or at least pretends to have all the answers. Yeah, and this is where it's a shift as well because you can be flipping annoying when someone is new and they just want to know what to do and there's a speed in training yes. there and you can just you can just tell them. You don't have to sit there and go, well, what do you think you should do? It's like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I've been here five minutes. I've been here five minutes. Would you shut up and just tell me what to do? Um, and then there's the opportunity to develop someone. It's like, They've come to you with a similar question before, or you know that they actually have the answer themselves, and now we're unlocking that awareness to maybe come not so much with the question, but maybe even also with a solution as we start to prep them more and more, which is one of the things we have talked about uh, in previous podcasts. And you can know when is the right time by asking yourself, again, as a manager, and this is not one of the key questions, but how quickly does this decision need to be made? Because sometimes people do need a quick decision and it's a management decision to make. Make it, move on. And other times there's an opportunity to have a more in-depth discussion. And recognizing that's also a really important skill. Right, question number three is, when was the last time you had a meeting and you just taught something? So you took an opportunity to discuss an issue or a principle or something that you've learned and you've shared that, you've passed that knowledge on, something you learned during the week or discovered. So it wasn't so much a exploration session and asking questions and all that. It was just a, you know what, I learned something really cool the other day. Did a little, 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 and then you start to talk about that. There's something about that transfer of information through teaching that is great for both the person that is receiving the information and the person that is delivering the information. We'll be right back. Do you spend too much time planning out and then freaking out about your upcoming presentations? Then the 30-minute presenter program is for you. With our audio-based training program, you can literally learn the art of presenting while walking, driving, or even in the bath. Imagine Sasha and I right there with you. Well, not in the bath, but in your ears, unpacking our 40 years of combined experience in this impactful upskill. Learn to craft messages that matter, engage an audience, and overcome those nerves. So join the 30-minute presenter program. The link is in the show notes. Get started today. And you can see me dancing while you ask this question because often these questions for managers to ask themselves, I get really challenged by them because I'm just not doing them or I'm not doing them well enough. But this one, I'm the queen. (laughs) I'm the queen of this one. So we have a thing at Coffee Culture called Lunch and Learn. And Mm. we basically invite everyone in our head office to just bring their own lunch. They sit down and it's between, I don't know, 12.30 and 1 o'clock. So right across our team. So our administrators, uh, our commercial people, our operations, our coffee guys, whoever comes. And I teach just a generic kind of skill. So we've done how to write better emails. 
as an example. And I go, so here's the problem that I see. Here's what I want to see us improve to. Here's some tips and techniques. I've done Mm. planning. And obviously, I've done that not from a position of expertise. I've done that from a position of, ah, I struggle with getting the most out of my week. So what are some of the tips around how to manage your time better? And we just do it as a person at the front of the room, downloading a little 20-minute session, a little bit of discussion afterwards. Everyone walks away. And I don't know if, if people walk away going, wow, thank you so much. But I can be assured then as the manager and the leader of that uh, you know, particular business unit, I've given everybody the opportunity to improve the way they write their emails. So yeah. the next time I get cross, if I see something going out that doesn't look and sound like us, I can answer the question honestly, hey, I've, I've tried to teach some things to help fix that. Yeah. Sorry, that was a segment called How Cool Am I? Would you like to respond <laughs> to some of the cool things? Because you do lots of cool stuff as well in terms of training and teaching people around you. Yeah, well, I guess it's the, I naturally default to the big opportunity, right? So I'll put on the sales upskill or the team development upskill. But it's also being able to recognize the smaller one-on-one opportunities. And and that's something that I know I need to work on is when I'm in those one-on-one coaching, quite good at asking the questions and exploring, but there's opportunities to teach in those moments just as much as there is to teach to the bigger audience. And that can just be you pick a topic and then you do deliver it at a bigger level and then you take aspects of that topic and cascade it down at a more individual level or explore it at a deeper level individually. So just recognizing when you can do that, turn that on. Right, our next question is, when was the last time that you shared a mistake that you made? So you've actually taken something that's happened that didn't go so well, and that could be in the past, and you've brought it forward to a situation and you say, well, I can tell you how I dealt with that at one stage, which I think humanizes you a little bit, and and, and it's often a really good way if someone else has made the same mistake to get on the level and then give them the here's what I think you need to do about it. It's like, I've been there too. This is what I did. And we need to get you to that space. Or it could be something that's even happened sort of more recently. And if we give an example that we've been talking about, like when you sent the email out, and I I don't want to make you relive that, but when you (laughs) sent the email out, that's something that you've now shared on the podcast. And it's one of those things that resonates with people when they come well, if Sasha can make that mistake, it's okay that I did this little a mistake as well. So things happen to all of us. Nobody's perfect. Uh, but in actually being able to have that conversation with people, I think you connect on a completely different level than if you just look perfect all the time. Mm. Oh, that is so true. And it's not about sharing your mistakes to manipulate people. It's not about sharing them to kind of relive them and debase Mm. yourself. I'm a terrible person too. It's literally about saying, what's the learning? So sharing what you would do differently if that same mistake was made again. So one of the things that happens in our business is that team members occasionally order the wrong quantity of things. So, for example, we mean to order a box of bananas, but instead we order a bunch of bananas. And a bunch of bananas lasts us a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's only a few smoothies and now we're done for the day. So that's a, that's a common thing. And, and the first time that happens with a team member, often one of our managers will say, okay, here's some learning. I've done the mm. same thing. One day I ordered 200 custard squares instead of 20 custard squares. And what we did was we had to sell them. This is how we dealt with it. But what I've done for myself is I now have an extra layer of check 
that just before I hit send, I go back and double check, yeah, have I got it. the right quantity? So I just encourage you to give yourself that little check-in. So it's kind of saying, hey, it's not fatal. No one's going to die. They're just going to not have banana in their banana mm. smoothie today. Did you want a milk smoothie? Because we can <laughs> offer you a milk smoothie, just not a banana smoothie whatever that looks like. So you humanize it, but then you also make sure that you teach what it is you've learned from it. Too often, I think we kind of share the mistake and go, we're all human, rather than (laughs) here's what I learned and here's the actions that I've put in place to try and prevent that happening. Definitely. All right. Question number five, hopefully if I've added these up correctly, we're at number five and it is, do you debrief situations, good or bad? You might have been in an offsite. Do you take the opportunity to debrief that? What could we have done better? What would we change next time? Do you take the opportunity to debrief a win for someone if they've done a really good job? So why did that work so well? What do you think was the success in behind those decisions or those actions? Those little debrief moments bring interest and contrast to our meetings because it's a little point of difference and it gets them to start to think and explore exactly what went on so that they learn the process that works not just celebrate the success at the end of it which is still important but the process of how they got there is what they want to replicate. I think that's super important because so often we don't actually know why it worked so we'll get to we'll get to the end of an event or the end of a project well that was amazing yay woohoo And then we go to another project and get to the end of that and go, oh, it didn't work so well. Because we haven't correctly identified what the foundations or the building blocks of the success was in the first place. I know I'm just repeating what you said, but I think it's particularly more important around success because I think we do tend to debrief failure. So when something goes wrong, we go, holy hell, what happened here? And we commission reports and meetings and... Yeah, we have death by chocolate, paralysis by analysis of that whole thing. And when things go well, Mm. we don't give it the same level of attention. And so you may think it's gone really well because of the preparation you did. And I think it went well because I wore my Mm. lucky yellow cardi. So we kind of have to understand what are the building blocks of success to make sure we replicate them. So we're not having the conversation where it's 20 days from now and we're going, Sash, I noticed you've been wearing the same yellow cardi every day. What's going on? Okay, It's my lucky cardi. It's my lucky one. That's why I'm so successful now. Well, you know that there are like um, athletes who have lucky undies. Yeah. And there's an all black, all black in particular I can think of that had lucky undies and it just got more and more holes in them, like not just for his legs to go through, but other holes as well. Farts were getting out, just like... And in the end, he, he said he just had to, it was really hard to break the superstition. Yeah. But but the, the undies weren't going to last. <laughs> and so I think it's like, it's nice to have symbols and talismans, but I also think it's nice to hold that stuff lightly because you will lose your lucky rabbit's foot or your favorite earrings that your grandmother gave you. And we need to be okay about them because it's just a thing. Just a thing. Right, next one is, do you prep for your WIP meetings? It's like work in progress. Okay, so it's WIP. It's those regular cadence where you're just doing your check-in meetings. Watch me WIP. Watch me nene. Watch me WIP. I can't say WIP without thinking like dungeons. (laughs) So 
I have good moments and bad moments where I'm like thoroughly prepared for these updates and other times I'll be like running in blind and making it up as I go along. Mm. It's ultimately disrespectful for the person you're meeting with because you're saying, oh, just just catch me up, just get me back up to where I should have been if I'd done the necessary reading to be here. And And one of the ways I like to call myself to account for this is I think about if I was preparing for a meeting that was super important for the ongoing success in my career. So maybe it's uh, I want to go back and do some more study and the mm-hmm. place that I want to study at, it's an interview to prove that you're worthy of a place in the course. So how would you prepare for that? And I'm not suggesting that we treat every meeting with the same weight, but I am suggesting that we recognize when we're unintentionally being disrespectful by just doing things on the fly all the time. Yeah oh, I'll wing it, I'll be fine, I'll wing it, I'll do it off the cuff. Versus saying, in actual fact, to make a really useful contribution to this meeting, there's a few things I need to know before I go in. And actually, the better you get at doing that, ironically, the better prepped you are, the less time you waste in the meeting. And you can be more potent and more powerful because you've accelerated your prep. That's it. And it doesn't mean that you have to prep just before the meeting. I think this is really important. So your prep could be in a space where you've got half an hour and you go, okay, I'm going to prep now for the two meetings I've got later because I'm running back to back. That's the next level when it comes to prep rather than I'm going to take three minutes now just to quickly get my thoughts down before I go into the meeting. It's like how organized can you get? How prepped can you get? And that's where the power of an agenda is is good because you know how the conversation is going to go and what you need to tick off. And you also really quickly identify whether the business intelligence that you collect in your organization actually serves a purpose. So I know at the moment at Coffee Culture, we've got a couple of reports that we pull and we all look at them and go, oh, interesting. But it doesn't change any of our decision making. We don't do anything differently because of it. And so we're really starting to challenge ourselves to say, what is the business information that we need in order to make better decisions? Are we getting it at the right time that we need it? Or do we just have a history of data And, you know, data without insight is meaningless. And the last one of our seven questions that managers should be asking themselves is, do you share your upskills, podcasts, YouTubes, books you read? Do you take that information and pass it on? I think that is a really great thing to do because I think sometimes we get isolated and we go, I've just got some new information that nobody else knows. I've just leveled up. But actually just realizing that the more you kind of put that stuff out and you become like a source of just great content and you're almost curating content and passing that on, One, that comes back to you. Two, it pushes you to get better and better and better. And three, it's just part of being a great human. If you want to develop other people, let's share. Yeah, my dad used to say when he was preaching in churches, he used to say, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find some food. And that was his approach to the spiritual lessons that he was sharing. It was all about, hey, I've learned this. I'm just pointing you in the right direction. He really railed against the speakers that were up in the front going, I am the great I am. I am the source of all knowledge. I have a direct pathway to God. He was really just about, I found this stuff out. You should know it too. And and I think it's a lovely way to live, that every time you come across something uh, that that you share it. There's a guy that uh, here in Hamilton who runs a company called IT Partners, um, amongst other things. And he has like a weekly newsletter. But basically, it's essentially like, here's what I've read. Here's what I've learned. Here's a a must-read article for you guys. You just subscribe to it. 
and uh, and I've just found it super helpful and super useful. Just steers me in the right direction. Does a little summary, so not everybody wants to read all of the books all of the time. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's a really lovely service. And also from a management perspective, if you're not running your own business, you are continuing to position yourself as someone who is doing some career development, some professional development, some personal development. And I think that's got to help your career. Yeah. And being able to share up exactly to your point there, like it doesn't have to be shared down. You you can share up. You can could have discovered a great podcast where you really learned something and share it with your manager and then use it to discuss in your next catch up. And it just makes those meetings so much more interesting. Even practice that skill by sharing the Not So Breakfast Show podcast with people. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Do that. Share it, share it, share it. We'd love to get the message out there. And, you know, if you love it, chances are other people like you love it too. And if you love it, give us a review. We are just hustling for reviews at the moment. Please share how it's helped you. Give it five stars. If you don't want to give it five stars, don't bother. Four (laughs) stars will not help us in our quest for global domination. Five stars only. Thanks. If you've got feedback on things we can do differently, tell us, not everyone. (laughs) Love it. All right, so that is seven questions managers can ask themselves. You don't even have to be a manager. You can just be, what's not a manager? A normal worker. Is that what it is? A normal worker if you're not a manager? <laughs> someone that actually does the work. You can be asking. Yeah, this. someone that's doing something <laughs> useful around here. You can actually ask yourself these questions as well. You know, So just reflecting back through these, who in your team is excelling? How many times have you provided an answer instead of asking a question? When was the last time you had a meeting and taught something? When was the last time you shared a mistake that you made? Do you debrief wins, losses, events? Do you prep for your WIP meetings and go into meetings prepared? And do you share your upskills, YouTube clips, books, the Not So Breakfast Show podcast? Yeah, I'm going to stop that now. All right, so as you know, we have been doing a little bit of background, recon, investigating, brand work, thinking, man, you know what? Maybe we should change our name. So we have got a name in mind, and we are planning to let you know what that name is next episode. So if you've got some guesses, you can flick them through, but otherwise you have to stay waiting in suspense like any great thriller. It feels like we're doing a, a true crime broadcast, right? This it is does. A, this is a true crime cliffhanger. Tune in next week to find out what is the new name for the Not So Breakfast Show. Speaking of true crime thrillers, we started watching a new show, I think it was on TV and Z On Demand actually, called Based on a True Story. Ooh. And it's got Penny from Big Bang Theory. Ah. And it's all to do with true crime and murders. Wow. And so it's kind of like a comedy thriller. Interesting. It's got me hooked. We're starting We're starting the binge thing. Ah, good. I read about it, but I haven't started it. So, I, yeah, I liked the premise. It sounded interesting. Yeah. Got a lot of swearing in it. Just saying. Marketing! <laughs>